Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Coming off of a win. It feels like a whole new season. Yeah, the Buffs are 1-5, and five, but I feel like we're 5-0. and oh. I mean, this feels awesome right now. That was the best game I can remember in a long time. I'm Tyler Walgie, of course. He's Jared All. Jared, how are we feeling after a dub? How after about big them win? buffs, man? Oh. It's amazing, the energy. I, I found every... I have like three or four CU polos. I pulled them all out. I had to make sure we were representing this week, you know? <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It feels so good. Yeah. It's just... You weren't there, though. No, I wasn't. You were at no. a knitting competition? Uh, pretty much. Might okay. as well have been. You what know. was it again? Uh, supporting the, the, the wife. Oh, the old well, lady. that's important. Yeah. I didn't realize, I didn't realize a, what it was. craft business, uh, had a craft market, and uh. needed someone to lug the tables out for her, so uh, <laughs> didn't did want to uh, let her down. So. so a craft market. So they had like craft macaroni and cheese, craft uh, singles. Uh, little, a little singles. bit more of a locals <laughs> thing. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Oh, Amber alert. Amber alert. Oh, geez. Okay. Let's 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 just let's just plow right through that one. Yeah, it's okay. okay yeah. Hopefully this Amber <laughs> alert has yeah. resolved itself yeah, exactly. by all the time you guys are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was a great game. Buffs get the win. Uh, producer Ryan, how are we feeling? Big dub, baby. Big, Big dub. Right. You know what? Finally excited to watch. Colorado football I on mean, a Saturday. I know. I know. It and was going so in, good. We limped in. We were uncertain going in. And before we get started today, look, we played it a few times this year. We have to play the fight song when we get excited on the on this podcast. So without further ado, before we get started on the show, before we break down stuff or preview next week, let's play the fight song. Let's get excited here. <laughs> That's the exact same clip we played previously, but somehow it felt like it had more energy today. (laughs) I I don't know. I I don't know about you guys. I got tingles. So last week to end the show, if you guys recall, and I didn't clip it. I didn't have enough time to go clip the, the audio. I called... For the field storming, yes, you did. I said yeah, you did. we end each po- <laughs> we end each podcast by giving our picks. And during my picks, I said the Buffs win. It was I think I said like seventeen, thirteen, something low scoring, close yeah. to the actual score. And we stormed the field, and it happened. How do you feel about the field storming? Now I will say this: I personally didn't storm the field, and there's one reason why. I've been watching games for a long enough. time. <laughs> I was going to no, say you're a that. frail old man. <laughs> I've been watching this, these games for a long time. The last time I stormed a field was when we beat Oklahoma. Yeah. What was that? Number three, number one, Oklahoma, something like that. That's my standard. That's my that's my yes. my barometer for storming. So I didn't myself, but I'm glad we did. So how do you guys feel? So uh, overall, in theory, I, I, I don't love the idea of storming the field against a three and two team. That's not that good. In reality, had I been at that game, I would have been throwing bows. I would have gotten down there so fast. I would have been on that field. The energy, man. It just it was it, it, it's more than just the game. I, and I think we can all take a step back from that and say this win, the way this Buffs team looked, was more than just winning a game. This was erasing a two year culture shock. 
that was ruining this program right. and seeing these kids have fun playing football again. I don't know that Mike Sanford's the future head coach of this football team, but I will be damn proud of this guy to get this team turned around in two weeks like that, to get these guys playing in a way that none of us believed was possible from it, this team. It, Jared is fired up. I am. Yeah. Jared, Jared's I mean, hot. Good. As, as far as the, the field storming goes, I have n- absolutely no problem with it. Yeah. Um, coming from what we've seen the last handful of years – we finally won. And uh, it was like a release of energy. Yes. It's like... Mean, uh, and, and it honestly, being at a noon kickoff, it made my entire weekend. Yeah. yeah. Just You're right. entirely better. Well, and look, like we talked about last week, there were a lot of good games this weekend. A lot of top 10 matchups yeah. in every conference. So... When I went to the game, and for everyone who did go to the game, you're sacrificing all that, watching yep. all that, and it was so worth it. I mean, the fans were electric. The field was packed. It was as close to a sellout as you're going to get for an 0-5 team at the time. So that was so cool. The, the white out, there was so much energy. It was so fun to be to be a part of that and to be... I mean, that it happened at home against Cal. I, I think it was just great. So let's talk about Mike Sanford, though, because he did so many different things. The first being he brought the team out on the field before the game, and they watched a pump-up video. They watched a hype video, and, and that hadn't happened before. So it was a culture shift, like Jared said from the very beginning of the day, not just on the field, but the approach. So that was pretty cool. Even if it's not Mike Sanford as the next coach, that was pretty promising, pretty cool to see him doing that fun stuff, doing that stuff to get these guys up. I felt like Carl Durrell treated this like the NFL. It's corporate. It's a business. We're going to get out there. If you don't play well, it's on you. It's like, no, there's time to do other things. Also, Mike Sanford invited the parents uh, and uh, family members of the staff to come out for, what was it, like a... Uh, some like pizza event, or like a, like like some like yeah, it was a, sort of like pizza party thing. I know that sounds childish, but yeah, it was it was a, it was just a way to bring everyone together, you know. And those guys that didn't that was get like a to day play, after the game or something, yeah, like the that, guys yeah. that didn't get to play at all or very minimal during the game got a chance to to compete a little bit against each other, you know, continuing to bring that level of competition to this team. It's just so cool to see that stuff. And as a Bubs fan, that's what you want to see the change. Look, I don't think any CU fan out there demands nine, ten win seasons over and over. But we want to see a team and a program that believes in in winning and believes in putting what is necessary behind a team that can go out there and win every week or at least have a chance to win every week. So I was happy with Mike Sanford. Uh, your other reactions for the game? I mean, just X's and O's. You know, it was 3 nothing at halftime, very low-scoring first half. Uh, Cal uh, outscored the Buffs uh, 13-10 in the second half. And then CU won in overtime. I mean... How about this defense, man? That's the thing I'm most impressed with. This defense was, let's be honest, it was garbage the first five weeks of this season. Well, and we, we talked about it on here, and I think part of that was they're on the field for so long. Yep. And that's in bad situation. That is another That is another point right there. Time of possession, six or 12 seconds off. 12 seconds differential between right. the, 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 the time of play. Thirty, Basically 30 minutes each for these guys. I mean, that is... That's what you need, getting this defense off the field. But you know how the defense got off the field? The defense made plays to get off of the field. 35 yards rushing against a team that came in and that's what they wanted to do was run the ball. The Buffs shut them down from the very first snap. This defense was impressive. I I, I called last week on this show. We talked about we wanted to see a team that didn't quit. 
There was no quit in this team. They fought to the very end. I mean, I don't, one of the plays I don't think is getting enough recognition is that that play. Is it Trevor Woods? Trevor Woods, the safety, Woods, 43. Yeah. Breaking up that the pass. play he makes in the end zone to yeah. break up the pass, that's the game right there. I mean, I, I know it was still an overtime. would have gone back and forth, but that play right there is what wins you the game. So big-time play for the Buffs. Really, really proud of these guys, and this defense really showed up for me. Uh, I want to be careful saying the defense was as bad as you did the first couple weeks. I don't think it was that bad. I think they were, like I said, put in bad spots. And they didn't show up when they needed to. They could have performed better, but they stepped up this game. And obviously, giving up 13 points in a game like this, where it was 13-13 in overtime, you have to tip your hat to the defense and say they did such a good job. Josh uh, Chandler-Semedo, who we talked about last week, three and a half tackles for loss. He's second in the country in tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Wow. So. In terms of, of breaking plays up, being a good impact defender, Chandler Tomato is that person. Uh, Jared mentioned Trevor Woods. Nico Reed had a good day. Robert Barnes. Everyone on this defense stepped up and did exactly what they needed to. Colorado had no chance in this game if it weren't for the defense forcing those punts. I mean, it was time after time. I don't have Cal's third down conversions in front of me. I can pull it up, but it was... It was bad. Uh, five for 17. Yeah, I mean... And then one for three on third down. Or, so, excuse me, fourth down. So we have to give this defense credit for... Showing up when it mattered the most, and this de- this win, I believe, is on the defense. Now we'll talk about the offense in a second, but everyone showed up who needed to on D, and I'm really proud of seeing those guys out there doing what they needed to do. So good job by the defense. Now offensively, Owen McCown, uh, what did you think of him? Well, he got to play before he got banged up a little bit. 13 to 21, 104 yards, one pick. He looks young out there still. But he's growing. Yeah, it, it, honestly, early on, it it was a little rough. I mean, that first half, it was kind of the, the same of what we've seen, where they just didn't have a whole lot of sustaining drives. You know, some a, a couple of bad decisions. He had that that one bad pick. I believe that was first half. So it was a little rocky at the beginning. But one of the things overall that I felt like was the difference in why this offense started to gain some traction is they stayed committed to the run. That is I such mean, a good point. I mean, thirty five yeah, rushes attempts in this game, even though they only average 3.4 yards a carry. That's the key. You don't have to be great at it. You just have to stay committed to it, and it opens things up in the past. I thought that. I'm watching going, you know what? And it was first down, run for two yards. Second down, run for two yards. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Just keep doing this. Just stay with Have a game plan and execute it. I don't care what happens. Just execute a game plan. Go in with an idea. Commit to that idea. Like, that was refreshing to see, and they actually executed that. So so thank God for that. But I also had this feeling watching the first half. It was like, Owen McCown looked raw. Okay? He's not going through a lot of reads. He looks uncomfortable back there. And I even thought in this game, you know, what's, what's, what is the point of Mike Sanford's – like, what is his goal right now? Is it to win now, or is it not – you know, is it to set this program up? And obviously the answer is – not to win now. It's not like 0-5, you need that win. Because obviously, I don't know if Owen McCown would have been starting if that were the case. Sure. But this is clearly for the future. You clearly want to get him comfortable and get him the snaps and reps. But he looked raw out there to start the game, like he has all year, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and you could just see it when they brought in JT Shrout. Um, right. Just the Just the difference just the way that they held themselves it was a little bit different yeah yeah and that's okay he can be young let owen mccown be young that's fine we're oh and five now one and five and so that's the thing so everyone is on the same page here you put mccown back in he's healthy and and he did i haven't heard anything 
since the game day, but in his uh, post-game press conference, Mike Sanford did make it very clear that's the, the only reason yeah. Owen McCown came out of that game is because of the injury. They didn't feel like he was 100% and felt like it was a better thing for the team to yeah. take a, to move to JT Shroud for this game. But all indications are he will be back if he's healthy. I have not heard one way or the other. It's obviously it's only Tuesday right now. Typically, that information doesn't start to come out to more like Thursday or Friday. We'll hear where he's at uh, health-wise. Sure, and I said it last week, too. Um, Sanford's playing with house money. Yep. Yeah. All he can do is be named the head coach. Or Otherwise, set, yeah. he's going to get – And set himself or, up Or maybe he gets a, a big-time yeah. OC job somewhere else right, or right. A, an opportunity as a head coaching job. Honestly, what I saw right there, a smaller school looking for a guy to turn around a program, yeah. absolutely, this is a guy you interview. Listen, I don't, I don't hate him at CU. No, I mean – I would prefer what I've seen a bigger this past name. Week. But yeah, I want to. Yeah. I, I want to. I, I. I. love the energy. I'm there with you. What he has done in a two week span is beyond impressive. Right. At what he's done for this culture. <laughs> That's a big part of what you're saying. Though. But let's take yeah. a step back. Let's see how the rest of the season plays out. To me, honestly, if I'm being honest, and, I, and I, I'm going to try to be careful not to completely trash Carl oh, Durant, okay? Oh, okay. But trash him, who cares? If yeah. I if I'm being honest, this is less <laughs> about Mike Sanford and more about the fact that it is so obvious to me that these players did not want yeah. to play for Carl Durrell. They, they did not like the way he was running this program. And what you just said, Ryan, they never bought in. Nobody on this team was bought in. They had quit on him months ago. They wanted a fresh start. So, I give it more of that than what Mike Sanford's doing. Now, he continues to build this. He continues to do some things. I'm saying you give the guy an interview. I'm not saying you, you give him the job. I think he should be in consideration. Well, but, but, but you're right. But Let's see how this next month sure, goes yes. before we talk about interviews. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot to be said about firing your head coach, having a bye week, having new energy in the building. How does that play next week? Right, sure. yeah. Is that sustainable? We'll on the road. Right. right. Yeah, is that sustainable? Uh, so... Owen McCown, 13-21, 104, one interception. J.T. Shroud, 8-12, of 12, 69 yards and one touchdown. And then Jordan Tyson, how about Jordan coming alive, 1-1 one of one for uh, the 37 yards on that one play. 100 QBR, yeah. not too bad. <laughs> Deion Smith, uh, who I heard is doing well. He yeah. walked out of the center. It's a lot better than we had uh, assumed that injury to be, thank goodness. He ended up the uh, game leading the uh, team in uh, yards, 12 carries, 48 yards. Anthony Hankerson, 16 carries, 47 yards. Big and, Hank. Yeah, Big Hank. Uh, Owen McCown, 5 for 18. And Jail Stacks, 2 for 5. Uh, the team, 118 yards total for three and, a, three and a half a carry and one touchdown. Not bad overall. How about Montana? Montana, Lamonius Craig. My man, I'll tell you what, the national uh, TV guys, ESPN, Fox, all the they had some fun with that name. They had some fun yeah. with that name. He makes the big catch, the game-winning catch. Also had a big day overall. Eight catches, 119 yards, averaged 15 yards per catch, and obviously that big touchdown at the end. That's the kind of breakout performance the Buffs needed on offense to clinch this game. Well, he had more than half the team's total yards. As a team, CU had 210 yards receiving Montana had 119 himself Daniel Arias uh second on the team in yards but he had that one catch for what 41 yards yeah, 40. that was a huge huge setup play and uh, besides that I mean he it was spread out it was a very oh, typical uh, uh performance from yeah. Daniel Arias right <laughs> oh you're right right I mean and a few drops still I mean we got to yeah. watch those freaking it's very concerning drops. I mean he dropped uh what was like a 66 yarder after the yeah. interception 
that puts you up a touchdown yeah. right out of the gates. What we're seeing from young, some of these young guys from Montana, from uh, 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 Tyler uh, or Jordan Tyson, uh, I kind of think that may be time to to start getting these guys the looks ahead of a guy like sure. Daniel Arias. And no, no disrespect to him. He's a solid player. I just think the upside of some of these other guys, what you can build forward to, to next year, I think it may be time to get these guys those looks. Uh, Deion Smith and Owen McCown each losing a fumble. Any cause for concern there? You know, I, I'd honestly have to think back in the situations of them losing the fumbles. Uh, you know, it happens. It happens throughout the course of a game. You know, if a guy's putting the, the ball on the ground a lot, we, we have an issue. I, I don't feel like it's really been a consistent problem. Uh, They're for not Melvin year. Gordon. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so before we move on to the Oregon State game next week, just in general, let's talk about the why. Why was this game different? Why did CU come out and get the win? Like, what was the tangible difference? And I know that this may seem easy, but I believe it was all the the motivation. Like, like the, what, what went on behind the scenes. And I've been saying this all year long, very publicly on this show, that I think this roster is good enough to win eight, maybe nine games on, on a top-end year, six, maybe seven games on a bottom-end year, Right. This is not a one-in-five team after six games talent-wise. So a lot of this was how they approached the game. I believe that morale matters. If you don't show up excited, ready to go, I don't care what you're doing. You're not going to perform well. And so I think these players were showing up, you know, even though they're very talented, it wasn't all there. And you see what can be there when it all comes together. Yes, the play calling was improved. Yes, the overall approach from the, the, the coaching staff was better. But I think it was as simple as these players coming out and playing a little better, a little harder, and giving that extra effort. So yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about this on this week's show. Is we didn't just get Montana Lamonius Craig, we didn't just get uh, Semedo. Right. There's obviously a reason that these guys weren't performing like they should. You know, Deion Smith, Hankerson, Jail Stacks. He only had two rushes. But they are in critical moments of the game. Yeah. Third and short. Of course use them. So I'm just I agree with you in the fact that this is not a one in five roster, but the way that they were being used is a one in five team. Yep. That they were challenged. I think that was something that you could see and, and a lot of the if you were if you were at home like myself, watching the game, listening to the announcers, some of the things they talked about is the way that this coaching staff challenged this team this week. And I, some actually I thought was a really cool idea that I've never heard of is they, they had a basically a competition between the offense and the defense and the, the, the baseline was three turnovers. If the defense gets more than three turnovers on the day, the offense runs sprints. The offense has less than three turnovers on the day, the defense runs sprints. So you're competing against each other every day. You're challenging them. That's a big factor in a game. When you're an 0-5 team, how do you win games? We called it last week. You have to get a turnover. What happens first drive of the game? That is no coincidence that they go get a pick that and first was, drive of the when game. When was the last turnover that you can remember? Other than that, yeah, right. right? You know, maybe so, the block punt last year against Arizona. So I think it was apparent that these guys were hungry, like you guys said, that this this coaching staff challenged them and put them in a position to be successful, and they wanted to go win for this coaching staff and for their brothers out there. And it looked like it. So next week they on the road at Oregon State. Uh, current line, Colorado, 24-point underdogs. Wow. And Oregon State's been good this year. They're 5-2 and two overall, and they look like a legitimate Pac-12 team. They're allowing, uh, let's see, 24 points a game, scoring just over 31 points a game. 
And defensively, here's where it's interesting. Oregon State, one of the best rush teams defensively in the Pac-12, allowing just over 125 yards a game. But they're allowing 230 passing yards a game. And they've been very inefficient in the past. So that's where CU can attack Oregon State, passing the football, taking advantage of them through the air. Offensively, Oregon State's very balanced. They pass for 230 a game, rush for just under 190 a game. And as we know, Colorado has struggled with teams that run the ball for over 175 yards a game. Oregon State falls in that category. So let's start with CU's defense. I think I think it's obvious here. Stop Oregon State on the ground, even though Chance Nolan is above average this year. Seven touchdowns, eight picks, just under 1,000 yards. We have to force Chance Nolan to make decisions and shut down the running game. If Oregon State gets comfortable running the football, it could be a long day. So I think that's the main thing here. Front seven for the Buffs. And this D-line, let's let's talk about the D-line, how good they looked last week with, with Jalen Sammy getting in the backfield and, and Rodman getting in the backfield. I mean, all these playmakers, that's what has to happen this week against Oregon State. They were blowing up that offensive line. Every play, it was instantaneously that offensive line was moved back a yard. And we and need that, that this week. That's exactly what you need. You have to be hitting, making contact in the backfield, make these guys have to make cuts, and then your linebackers, just like we saw this last week, are able to fill those gaps, make those plays. That's the key. That really is. If you can make this team one-dimensional, I absolutely think the Buffs can stay in this game and win this game. Yeah, I, I think I said um, probably a month ago that – I, my highest ex- expectations was for this D-line group, and they've been severely disappointed. And I and I thought that Saturday they played incredible. Yeah, they were very— Where they, was that this whole entire year? Biggest unit probably of the game on Saturday. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it's going to take this weekend. It's funny. For the last couple of years for the CU uh, defense, I've always said, don't get burned deep. Like in these games where it ends up— being a long day and it's like oh god is where CU gets beat deep and then deep and 20 yard pass this game is different against Oregon State I think CU can actually give up a couple deep ones just make sure you keep everything contained up front if you give up a 20 yard 30 yard pass fine erase it play that good man to man or however you're going to play the the shell zone but make sure you're tight up front. So I'm okay. actually okay. It's kind of opposite. I never say that about this D, but I think it's okay. Give up those passes. Give up the vertical. It's okay. Just make sure you're staying tight up front, and you've got to stop that rush attack. Yeah. And I think uh, something I'll add to that is is play aggressive. I, I think that was something we saw this last week, too, some aggressive play, some blitzing, things like that. Yes, you do run that risk. When you, when you get aggressive, when you're blitzing guys, you're leaving people one-on-one. Those big plays are there, but the, the ability to make you know field-flipping plays you get you know a big sack on a third down maybe it's a forcing a turnover I think that's a big part for this Buffs team is this defense in my mind what I saw from this offense last week is it's still very much a work in progress well and that's they why need this is, to lean on this defense to win games but Jared this is going to be a lot easier said than done we talk about getting pressure and blowing up the rush game and, and stopping the run attack <laughs> Oregon is not Cal or Oregon State's not Cal I mean, Oregon State's more Oregon than they are Cal. Sure. Cal is is an okay team this year. It was a good win. It was an above-average offensive line. But Oregon State's only two losses this year, they lost to USC by three points, 17-14. And then they lost to Utah, a pretty big loss, 42-16 on the road. That's going to happen sometimes when you go on the road to Utah. Potentially the two best teams in the Pac-12, two teams that are very much competing. That's it. They beat beat, uh, Boise State, Fresno State, they have wins against Stanford, Washington State. Washington State's good this year. Yep. Okay, so yeah. let's let's be aware here. This is not Cal. 
This is a much, much better offensive line, much better coaching staff, in my opinion. Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get pressure and stop the run. We're making it seem easy, right? Stop the run. The pass is going to take care of itself. It's going to be a lot more difficult than that. And it's on the road. Corvallis is not an easy place to play. So I just wanted to put that out there, okay? Let's not get... <laughs> we want a game. You know, the Buffs want right. a game. And, and they're now 1-5. I think a lot of fans want to say, hey, let's keep this rolling. Let's go to 2-5. and five. Right. Oregon State's a much better team than we've known in the past, though. Well, and, yeah. And, so and, and you've brought it up before: is what are our expectations, right? Just because we won a game doesn't mean that we're going to win six in a row. Exactly. Listen, Oregon State's a good football team. Even if we lose by a touchdown, by a field goal, I'll consider it progress. Well, and look, it, not to be too technical or to make people roll their eyes out there, but but honestly, if you look at the point spread. That is expectation, okay? And that is the truth serum in sports. So if you look at a game where a team is favored by 24 points, the expectation is that team wins by 24 points. If they win by 25, they've exceeded expectation. If they win by 23, they have failed to meet expectations. So Oregon State, in this case, is expected to win by 24. If the Buffs lose by 17, I won't feel like we've exceeded expectation, but from a nationwide point of view... That's actually not the worst outcome ever. So I just want to temper expectations here. I expect a closer game. We're going to give our predictions here in about 10, 15 minutes. But just know we're dealing here with a very good football team, very good coaching staff. And as I said, they're their quarterback. Is it still Chance Nolan or is he hurt? So he has been out uh, the last few weeks. But uh, again, I was really looking today. I just could not see anything, any indication whether he'll be back or not. There was some thought that he would play last week, which then kind of leads you to believe he may be available uh, to, to start this week. But uh, uh, their backup that's coming has been very solid as well. Ben I mean, Goldbranson. Yeah, and he's actually, mm. when you look at him kind of pure statistically, his <laughs> his completion percentage is his, is higher. You know, he's, he's, he's three touchdowns. They're very comparable. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it's a huge drop. Off, I guess is what I'm getting at there, regardless of which quarterback that you get. They do have a running back by committee approach. They've got three running backs, Deshaun Fenwick, Damian Martinez, and Jam Griffin, all who get the ball a decent amount, and uh, each of them running for over 290, but under 350 apiece. So, you know, that's something to watch for. You know, not just one person in the backfield. They've got a lot of players who do it. Same thing on the outside. You know, they have four players with over double di- with uh, double-digit catches, and then everyone else has like nine, seven, two, two, two. A lot of spreading the ball out between these receivers. So really not one person who stands out on offense, whether it's receiver, running back, or even quarterback in this situation. And defensively, they don't have that all-star player. So this is a good overall team, good overall roster, with a good solid coaching staff. But as I said, they are about a year or maybe two ahead of where the buffs are right now. Sure. I right, think that's actually their- a great comparison. It really is. that You look at this Oregon State team, they were kind of the laughing stock of the Pac-12 for, for several years, and now they've you know, made made little progress year after year, and this is kind of the year they're starting to make that jump. Now at five and two, you know, halfway through the season, this is a team that's hungry for a bowl game. I, I could not tell you, not not following Oregon State, when the last time they went to a bowl game was, but I have to imagine this roster. There ain't nobody on there that's been to a bowl game, so they are very hungry for that. So that's something to watch out for this in this game as well. We would love for the Buffs to be in this spot in a couple of years, you know. So this is a good team. Uh, we'll get some predictions here in a second, but. Some news today. Some news. Uh, did you guys see that Brendan Lewis entered the transfer portal? I did not. Yes. Uh, honestly, not surprised. I think it's it's pretty obvious yes. he does not have a place as a starting quarterback.
quarterback on this roster moving I, forward. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I was happy for him, for the team, for everyone. Just move on. Fresh start. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way of putting it, too. You know, for Brandon Lewis, too, this this may be the best thing for him. It's, it's hard to come back from the struggles he had over the last year and a half. You know, getting benched, now a, a second guy went, goes ahead of you. It, but it, you know what's funny is I was reading someone on Twitter and maybe we need we need to start talking to some like insiders closer to these uh, high school kids because someone said on Twitter that it was obvious this was going to happen because Brent and obviously hindsight's fifty or you know twenty twenty but uh, someone said oh yeah Brendan Lewis you know he destroyed small schools never played anyone big always you know ran his stats up against these tiny Texas schools I may be guilty of that yeah he he ne- <laughs> he, he he never. Uh, uh, did well against bigger competition, and the only offer he got from a Texas school was University of North Texas. You know, he 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 wasn't a good, and so it's interesting to look at things from that point of view. You know, because I don't do homework like that. I don't know what conference they played in or any of that stuff. So it's just interesting that that someone on Twitter is like, yeah, of course it happened. So just something maybe to look for in the future. Yeah, and just when it comes to recruiting in general, I mean, there's however many schools and high schools throughout the nation, and especially when you're talking Texas, you're talking the South, Florida, these places where they are just loaded with talent, and sometimes you see these three- and four-star guys that, uh, yeah, may, maybe if you dive in a little bit, and I think from the, the university standpoint, their recruiters need to do a better job of that and recognizing those things that, yeah, right. you know, I, I remember back to a guy in, in uh, Daryl Scott, or Daryl Scott, however it was pronounced, in same deal. I mean, he was a he was the big-time recruit that year for the Buffs. He was a running back. This would have been, what, mid-2000s or late 2000s. Marcus Houston. Uh, Marcus Houston's another one. So, you know, these, 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 these things happen. Hey, some of these guys are, are some of the best recruits that everybody wants, and they don't pan out. That, that, that does happen at times. Right. But a lot of times there is, if you dive into the, the details, what's going on, their situation, maybe the ta- level of talent around them, there's a lot of signs that point to why these guys are or are not successful at the college level. Yeah, and, and just real quick, like, you know, Every, every school in the country is looking for the next big thing, right? Um, so they're, they're not cutting it off at, uh, hey, we've got three quarterbacks that we just recruited. They're, they're going to take everybody they can get. And just for CU in particular, um, Drew Carter, Maddox Kopp, uh, James Mott, Owen McCown, they're all freshmen or sophomores. Right. And they have Ryan right. Staub coming in as a freshman this year. It. it I, I do not blame Brendan Lewis. He saw the the writing on the walls. Yeah. So, but I think, I think we did too. You know, as oh, both fans, sure. I think the he staff needs a fresh did. Start. Yeah, exactly. All right, before we get out of here, let's give our, our predictions. We do this every week. Our score predictions for the upcoming game. Ryan's been dialed in lately, so we, we'll see what he has to say. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, I'm going to ride with the Buffs this game. Call me a homer. I don't care. I think we get some turnovers. I think the Buffs force a couple situations, that, that, whether it's a pick six, fumble six, setting this offense up in a good spot. I think it's a close, close game. I think the Buffs win 28-27 and come back 2-5 and five from Corvallis. So You're always not. with the one point. Yeah. I know. Let's go. <laughs> A lot of faith in this offense there, Tyler. No, I said a couple defensive turnovers. Oh, okay, so defensive. Like, okay, so we're setting defensive them up. scores. Okay, yeah, okay, exactly. Okay, okay. Uh, look, I, I, I like what I saw from the Buffs this last week. But being at home, 
coming off of a bye with the energy of a new coach is different than going on the road to a, a motivated team. I think that's kind of what resonates with me is this Oregon State team is very motivated to get this six win. They want to get bull eligible. I think the Buffs are competitive. I think that's what we can ask for. That's what we hope for as Buffs fans. So I, I do expect a competitive game. I think it is going to be a low scoring game. I think the strength of both mm-hmm. of these teams is on the defensive side. So I'm going to go with a 13 to 10 loss wow. for the Buffs. The Buffs lose Aaron. 13 to 10. <laughs> but I, I think we come away feeling very good about what we saw from this Buffs team. Been watching too much Thursday Night Football. It, it's, it's sitting with me. It's actually the Broncos from last <laughs> night. That one's resonating right now. Uh, all right, Ryan, what do you got? Um, I, I'm also curious to see how this team responds um, after getting that win. Going Monkeys to Cor- off your back. Going to Corvallis. Um, but I have faith. I have faith in the buffs. There we go. You know what? I, I've I've kind of been the doom and gloom guy on this podcast this entire season. And you know what? Let's turn it around. There we go. Let's let let's let's go turn to Oregon State. Turn upside down. I think we're gonna we're gonna miss Deion Smith if he doesn't play. Yeah. Um. But I do believe the buffs will win. All right. What's the score? Twenty. 17. Let's go. Ooh, let's right. go. Right. You know, Corvallis may not be the toughest town to play in, but it's got to be one of the coolest college football town names. Uh, Corvallis. Definitely not Corvallis. a bad <laughs> name, but we're going to go paint the town black and gold this weekend. All right, let's go, Buffs. Uh, can we get a game time? You know when that game starts, Jared? Oh, go. Oh, let's see how fast my phone can move. It is... 6 p.m. Mountain Time. All right, let's go, Buffs. Get the win at Oregon State. Come back 2-5. And uh, we'll talk to everyone next week right here on the Buffs Nation Podcast.